Welcome to VitFriends Podcast, Living Life and Love. I'm your host, Mark Braxton from Raleigh, North Carolina. VitFriends is a national vitiligo support community founded by Valerie Mullineau. For more information about VitFriends, you can visit us at www.vitfriends.org. You can also call us at 844-374-3639. Again, that is 844-374-3639. BitFriends Podcasts are sponsored by My Vitiligo Team. Welcome to Living Life and Love. I'm your host, Mark Braxton from Raleigh, North Carolina. Today's show, my guest is Omar. Omar, welcome to the show, sir. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to uh, be on here and chat. Absolutely. Uh, and I, I know we're going to have a great conversation, great discussion. So before we get started with our conversation, uh, go ahead and officially introduce yourself and maybe tell our listeners where you're from and then we'll jump into our conversation. Sure. Yeah. My name is Omar. I am 43, actually 44 next month. Um, I am based in Vancouver, Canada. Uh, I am an adventure seeker, I'd like to say. Uh, I am a hiker, I'm a skier, I'm a cyclist, love to travel, love to just get out and see things. Um, and recently, I've been a actor and model. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So um, people may recognize you once, you know, we talk a little bit more, but we're not going to get into too much of that detail, uh, but people will recognize you. Now, Let's get into, um, well, first of all, I'm going to say some of that's very exciting. You know, uh, I've never been skiing, hiking, you know, nothing major, but that, you know, that sounds pretty cool. It's always get out to have these great adventures and and show people that just because you have vitiligo doesn't stop you from doing anything. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's go ahead and, and talk. Um, since we're talking about vitiligo, um, when did your vitiligo journey start and what were your initial thoughts and feelings about it? Uh, so my journey started, uh, I believe I was somewhere around kind of like 18, 19, maybe 20. Um, and it started for me with a heart shaped spot kind of in the middle of my forehead. Um, and I kind of remember at that time as it was sort of developing, it was kind of like little white spots and then it developed into the heart shape. And I don't even remember how long it took. It could have been a couple months, but I remember kind of friends at that time kind of teasing about like, oh, are you turning into Michael Jackson? Or do you have the same thing? Because right. that was really the only person at that time that people would have known that had that. Um, and yeah, I don't even remember whether I was officially diagnosed by a doctor, but I do remember sort of going in and doing various different treatments. Um, and just the feeling around it being kind of like, oh no, you've got this really difficult thing. Right. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was kind of traumatic, I think, for that age being maybe just the start of like adulthood where you're kind right. of on your own um, and you're trying to develop yourself. Uh, for me, I remember uh, that it happened really kind of like I had acne going through high school. Right. So I felt like it, it it went away and then all of a sudden I got this and I'm like, oh no, something else. Right, right. 
Yeah. It, it, you know, it was time. Vitiligo is, I'll, I'll have to say it's interesting um, where it starts for different people, how it starts. A lot of us have these heart-shaped vitiligo shapes somewhere in our bodies. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think it's interesting because I have one also, and I have a friend, she has one, and I know some other people that have the heart shapes. Um, now, my vitiligo started on my hand. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just a spot I thought maybe I cut myself and it was a scab that, you know, fell off and, you know, I wasn't really paying any attention to it. And then I noticed another little spot on my hand. I'm like, okay, that's two. But when did I get cut? You know, when did this happen? So I went and got diagnosed, went to a dermatologist. I did not have a great experience at all. You know, he, uh, you know, back in the nineties and eighties, when you got checked out, they came in and they looked at you and from a male point of view to make you cough and all that stuff, they don't do that anymore. But this guy walked in and I sat on one side of the room. He sat on the other side and he was just, he just looked at me. He said, "Mm -hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and walked out. Yeah. And, you know, of course, when the doctor walks out, you're like, oh gosh, what's wrong with me? You know, I'm trying to figure this thing out, but I'm thinking, you know, and I was in my 20s, early 20s, um, early to mid 20s. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. He never looked at me. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to take clothes off or nothing. He just walked in, kind of made his judgment, came back and gave me a pamphlet and he gave me a prescription. And that was it. You know, it's like, thank you. Basically, give me my money. You go on about your way. And I sat in the car and I just I just kind of thought to myself, like, what happened? You know, yeah, well, I have vitiligo. And at that time, I didn't know much about vitiligo. We knew Michael Jackson, everybody, of course. Yeah. But I just kind of felt devastated. I was like, man, like, so what do I do with this information? You know, what is it? Like, is it, you know, is it something that down the road can kill me? Although if we know that's not true, it will not kill us. Um, it changes your lifestyle. It alters how the world sees you and how you see yourself. But I was, you know, and I think about, my experience and other people that go through it, it's like, you know, some of these doctors don't understand you can make or break a person, mm. you know? And at that point, I feel like I was being broken because I wasn't sure what was going to happen. Yeah. Um, but I did get a second opinion. The second opinion was different, you know, different doctor, uh, African-American doctor, he came in and the other one was too. Uh, this gentleman came in, first question he asked me, how's, how's your self-esteem? And at the yeah. time, I was okay. You know, was, you know, I'm good. You know, I said, okay. He said, I'll be back. Oh, here we go again. <laughs> you know, I just felt the same thing. But no, he came back in. He shook my hand. We talked. He gave me the scientific name for vitiligo. I don't know what he was saying, but this is what you have, you know. And he he said, you know, of course, you know, it could spread more. You know, it may not. You could repigment. He said, but really, you work on your self-esteem. Mm. Which was great advice, but I didn't have the tools at the time. So I did struggle. Um, As your vitiligo starting to spread and develop, you know, how did it impact you? How did it affect you? Um, Well, first off, I just like uh, I I relate to that experience of just like doctors not necessarily having bedside manner in terms of like helping you through that um and i think my experience was very similar in terms of just you know going in getting a pamphlet and like here here are some choices that you might be able to use right. or something for you um 
sorry, I, I wandered off. What was the question on that? <laughs> no, no, no. But but what was your your experience though? What were your thoughts? You know, as you start to see your body change, you know, you're seeing more spots. How did that impact you? Because that was a part of it. The the impact of going to a doctor because this is somebody yeah. who's supposed to be able to help you, and yeah. it's kind of like, eh, all right, just take this. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, kind of left me on my own to figure out what it was. And um, as I said earlier, I, I don't think I ever really got an actual diagnosis. Um, I think we were just trying different treatments. Um, some of those treatments were like the light treatment. I used right. to sit at like a desk with a UV light on my forehead um, and sit there to the point where it burnt my skin. Wow. Um, and it would blister. Um, and then when it would blister, I'd get little dots of color that would come back. Um, and I did that for a long, long time. Um, but I just remember sort of being on, we've got like our public transit train and being on the trains and like not feeling comfortable sitting down while people are standing up. You know what right. I mean? Like being right. the floor, looking down, I felt very uncomfortable because I'm very much exposed in a way, but trapped at the same time. I can't move. I've just got to sit here and suck it up. Uh, right. So I think I had a lot of sort of negative um, feelings about it. Um, and uh, as it continued, I remember it started. Uh, so after my, uh, on my forehead, um, it started on my fingertips. Um, and I remember wearing long sleeves uh, and short sleeves because I thought in some way that would make it less visible. Um, and then I started getting it on my elbows and sort of under my arms and things right. like that. And I thought of ways to camouflage that as well and ways to alter what I'm wearing. Am I going to wear jeans today? Am I going to wear shorts today? Am I confident enough to show it today? Um, so I think all of those like negative issues or negative thoughts around it um, were things that I was telling myself. Nobody else was telling me these things. These were all just right. things that I was feeding myself, um, which made it really, really difficult. Absolutely. I, I think a lot of us go through that, that, that phase, the stage of, you know, you're trying to figure out how to navigate life. And it is hard. You mentioned feeling trapped. I'm glad you said that. Mm. Um, that's that experience of being in public. You know, you can't go left. You can't go right. You're there. And you know, people are looking at you. You know, mm -hmm. people are trying to figure out what's wrong with this person's skin. You want to feel as normal as possible, but you don't. You feel different you know um and at times i'm i'm just gonna be honest you know i'm i'm 50 and there are times i do i still feel that way i'm good yeah. some days and some days i'm like why am i here why am i in this particular environment why did i go here today i should have stayed home or i should have gone somewhere else you know and i think that's that part of that struggle we all go through yeah. Um, sometimes some days we're more confident than others. And it's just a reality of, of, we know we look different. Yeah. You know, um, for myself, I don't have much of my face. You know, I have a, on the camera, I have a little spot on my neck, two spots around my mouth and that that's it. Yeah. It's never, those areas have never grown. They have been the same way once they develop.
but rest of my body it's it is what it is it's doing yeah. its own thing um had a kid ask me the other day he's i guess he, he's never seen the inside of my arm and so you know he said what happened to your arm i said dude the same thing that happened to my hand you've seen my hand you've known me for like two years like come on you but i i think now that it's you know, summer and we're starting to wear short sleeves and he's yeah. starting to pay attention. And I'm like, okay, if he noticed that, I know other people are noticing it. You know, yeah. I notice it, of course, it's my body. I see it. Um, but I can't let that stop me from living. Yes. You know, and, and as you opened up, you talked about all the different things that you do. And that's one of the things that I've been pushing just with the podcast and other things that we have to live life. Mm-hmm. We have to normalize life with vitiligo. You know, we, we, we still do things. We enjoy things. You know, we don't just, I, and I, I, let me correct myself. Cause I know we do have some members in our community that they keep themselves in the house because of society, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of us out there that are doing things because we enjoy certain things like you enjoy hiking. Yeah. enjoy skiing you know um i enjoy working with kids i'm not going to stop working with kids yeah I, I get all the jokes all the comments from kids and you know but that's just me you know i like to draw and write and you know like we're people too yeah and that's really one of the biggest things i want other people to understand we're people but we have a, a skin condition slash disease called vitiligo mm-hmm. and but it's not going to kill us it's not going to stop us no. What stops us is us, you know. Um, and, and it's interesting you talked about the camouflaging, because uh, I've talked to a lot of people in the community, and a lot of us do that. We try to camouflage. We try to blend in. We wear the long sleeves. We wear the jeans when it's 110 outside and burning up, sweating, because we want to blend in. But Vitiligo says, you can't blend in. Yeah. Now you're more noticeable because you're you're the only one of the sweating bullets. <laughs> um, I, we see the armpit sweat because you got on the long sleeve shirt. You know all these different things that we do to make ourselves feel comfortable, thinking we're blending in, but we're really standing out more. Um, yeah. I mean, I think if we just be, and I don't want to use the word normal, um, mm-hmm. but live our lives as best we can. People are going to look past the vitiligo. Um, let's talk about that. Having vitiligo, how has that impacted or changed like your um, social interactions or even um, your your professional career? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, I guess, I mean, it's been a journey for me. So right. uh, it's like 20, just over 20 years that I've had it. Um, and for me, it was first the, the heart-shaped spot on my forehead, <clears throat> when it started on the tips of my fingers, whatever the medication or combination of medications that I was taking, or even maybe just luck, that heart-shaped spot went away for me. So I, had it, I didn't have it on my face for a number of years. And then kind of every year I would notice kind of, for me it was uh, in the fall. So if I spent a lot of time in the summer, uh, out in the sun in the summertime, I'd probably get more spots in the right. winter. So it was a continual roller coaster for me. So every year I feel like was a little bit 
different for me um, in that I slowly started to, maybe even without even knowing it, slowly started to limit some of the places that I would put myself. Right. Um, and then uh, five years ago is when it started on my face again. And I remember throughout that period, I guess it would be maybe 15 years. I was like, okay, it's it's coming out my hands. It's coming out my elbows. Right. Uh, short sleeve shirts, that can't happen, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then it started on my face. And I'm like, I've been saying for years and years, like, just please don't come on my face again. Please right. don't, like, ruin my face. I don't know what I would feel like. I don't know where I would go. Um, and I don't know what I would do. Um, and it started on my face. I think um, uh, I started to definitely become a bit of a recluse and right. stay at home uh, and didn't go out very many places. I think a lot of the negative um, rules that I created for myself um, throughout the years that that worked in a way, like long sleeves, things like that, that didn't work anymore when it was on my face. Right. So that was a whole different journey. Um, and then I guess, unfortunately, time-wise, the pandemic happened and we got locked up inside anyways. So there was this combination of, for me, uh, the vitiligo, the anxiety creating from the vitiligo, maybe some anxiety created from just not being social with other people right. during the pandemic. And then trying to come out of that as we were like starting to reintegrate with people um, and also looking different than I did maybe two years before when the pandemic started. So, uh, you know, I don't I don't really go clubbing anymore. That's not my thing. But I also think that's part of my age, I guess. Just, yeah, yeah. I don't so, club either. <laughs> <laughs> right? So it's kind of half and half, but I still, I wouldn't lie if I, if I, um, you know, I still have anxieties about going to places like that right. and restaurants and things like that, where you are, where you're, you're trapped. You go into right. a restaurant right. and you sit down at a table and you try and play like you're not different. Absolutely. And hope that nobody's staring at you. Um, and on occasion you catch people. And I think, um, you know, that's been a challenge for me. Um, I, don't stop myself now from going out to places. I try and push my boundaries mm -hmm. and make sure yep. that I uh, sit in that uncomfortableness because for me, I'm learning that all of those um, anxieties are essentially they're irrational fears, right? They're things that I've been telling myself for years uh, and they're not right. They're not, they're, for me, they're not right. They don't work for me. They're stopping me from being the person that I was and that I want to be. Um, and I'm for myself, I'm not going to allow that to happen. So I'm going to sit in this uncomfortableness and deal with it and try and make it easier for myself. Um, and I'm still on that journey. Yeah. It, Omar, it is, it is a journey. And I say it's a journey for all of us. And I've had discussions with, um, many people in our community and we, everybody looks at vitiligo differently. Uh, you know, I've heard comments before. I don't have enough on my face, mm. you know, and, and I often say it doesn't matter how much I have. I still have vitiligo. Vitiligo yeah. is still unpredictable. It still alters your lifestyle. Um, yeah. It changes the way you see others, the way they see you. Um, it creates that anxiety. 
I've experienced it, you know, going in Target. I'm standing in line. I'm wearing shorts. I'm like, okay, I'm trying to push through this, and I get that overwhelming feeling, and I have to leave. I go put stuff back on the shelf, and I go home. Um, That hasn't happened lately, but it was happening like 2017, 2018, 2019. There were other things happening in my life, so it's a combination of vitiligo. I'm going through this challenge, and, you know, I'm like, man, I just got to get through this. And one of the things I've done that you mentioned, uh, going to restaurants to eat. I'll go by myself a lot. I'm good. I'll go by myself. I'm doing it to, like you said, to push those boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, being around other people when it's crowded. And I'm like, why did I come here when it's crowded? Man. Yeah. But I know I have to do it for myself because I want yeah. people to see I eat food like everybody else. I don't <laughs> always want to eat fast food. I want to go to a restaurant, sit down and eat something different. You know, um, I want to be social like everybody else. Um I, I want to have the same experience of having, um, of being greeted when I go there or being treated just like everybody else. And I think a lot of us in our community feel the same way. But mm. when COVID hit, I think it was challenging for a lot of us socially, mm-hmm. but also it gave us an outlet. I can wear my mask. You know, mm. I don't yeah. have to answer too much because, you know, I can wear a mask and a hat if I want to. Um, and, and for me, I have discoloration on my lips. So sometimes somebody asks me, what happened to your lips? And I'm like, it's just, this is just like, all. I mean, it's the same thing with my hands, but, um, but I don't think about it too much anymore. Um, but as, as we are, I think just trying to blend in with society, we want to do the things that we want to do. And we hold ourselves back because of vitiligo, because of what it looks like, um, some people embrace it. I get it. Yes. And I often say it's not something we asked for. It's not something we have prayed for and said, hey, Lord, please give me some vitiligo tonight. Make it spread. You know, no, none of us have done that. But some people have, people have learned to embrace what they look like. Um, yeah. Some people are very confident with it. Some of us still struggle. You know, I have a gentleman, one of my friends, he struggles with it, you know. Um, and in, in terms of you know, vitiligo, wearing your shorts and all that. Do you still have your days where you you say, you know what, I ain't wearing my shorts? Or do you just put them on and just go about your day? Uh, I can talk about this summer yes. being a different summer for me um, in that I am going to push all of those boundaries. I'm, these are the things that I'm saying to myself. Uh, if this was last year, yes. Even if it's hot, I'm going to be like, okay, uh, yeah, I'll put the shorts on at home. Yes, I look good. And then I get to the door and I'm like, nope, yeah, no, time <laughs> But I'm not doing that for myself today or right. this summer or sort of going forward. I actually kind of enjoy a little bit showing off my vitiligo. Mine's pretty right. extensive. Like, it's all up my arms. Yeah, I see that. Yes. My legs all over my face. At the end of the day, I can't hide now. Right. And that was that I, I guess for other people that's going to be different, right? At my Absolutely. stage now, and the journey that I've been on and watching it grow for 20 years and continuing to say negative things or continue to create negative rules for myself, for me personally, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm trying right. to break every single one of those rules that I created and I am going to walk outside with shorts on. 
Absolutely. And, and, and I applaud you for that because, you know, there are some people in our community that still struggle with it. There are some that they'll take everything off and they're good. You know, right. they're going to show off their spots. Um, and there's still a lot of us that we we contemplate, OK, do I put them on? Do I take them off? Do I wear my shorts? Do I not? What, what do I wear today? Do I cover yeah. up? Do I not? Um, I'm much better about I'm going to wear shorts. Like if it, it's going to be hot tomorrow, I'm throwing on some shorts and I'm just going to rock them and, and I could care less, you know. Um, now, during the pandemic, I I interviewed, um, oh gosh, can't remember the gen- gentleman's name. I got a mind block. In, interviewed a gentleman with vitiligo and we were talking about it and he said, you know, since the pandemic, he developed um, confetti vitiligo, all the thousands of little spots all over his legs. That's mm-hmm. what I developed. You know, I have those big spots that used to be little spots that merge, but now I have just dots all over my legs and some are starting to form. I have some on my arm and they're starting to form into bigger blotches, you know, and yeah. on one end, it terrified me at first because I'm like, oh, what's happening now? But on the other end, I look at it, and I've mentioned this on another podcast. From a scientific point of view, I'm fascinated because I'm like, what is vitiligo going to do now? You know, how do these small spots just merge into big spots and then they split apart again? And now all these thousands of little spots, and I'm looking like, what are you going to do next? You know, and what's interesting, and I don't know if you've experienced some of the repigmentation, I don't use any treatment, but this arm has, you don't see much. Mm-hmm. I used to have spots in that arm. Still have it on my elbow, but it all went to my other arm. So it moves. It it's gonna it's gonna go away. It's gonna pop back up somewhere else. And I'm just I'm at at the stage in my life where I'm just in for the ride. All right, bit of like, what are you doing next? Because you know I'm gonna live. You're gonna come live with me. You know, you're not going anywhere. So what are we doing? You know, that's the way I see it. And that's a beautiful way to 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 look at it is to just accept it. I think. Um, you know, that's easier said than done, but right, right. anybody's journey is different. Everybody is. gets it different. You know, um, some people are born with it yes, um, and they have a completely different journey because maybe they have family that can kind of help them and be there and support them. Um, and then, you know, for other people like you and me that got it later, later 20, yeah. right? Like that's a different period in your life to get it then. And the whole, the support that you would need then would be different than somebody younger. But then at the same time, you and I have it differently where I absolutely more, right? Um, and our journeys are completely different with that acceptance. Where are we living? Are we right. in a small town? Are we in a big city? Does a big city make you scared? Are you anxious? All of these things that you know uh, are different factors for different people. And it could go right back to how did they get diagnosed? What did their doctor say to them? when they got that diagnosis right. that very first negative connotation with vitiligo you know what i mean so i think it's very different for different people yep, absolutely um, and the easiest way is to just accept the roller coaster that you're on right. easier said than done of it, course though absolutely and, and you know what i'm glad you said it about the doctor the first diagnosis you get the first person that tells you this is what you have but yeah. then after that how does your family react to it? You know, what do they say? You know, um, if you're dating somebody, how do they feel about it? Um, how how do your good friends feel about it? Are they even talking about it? You know, I've had um, very 
diverse experiences with that, where my family, we really didn't discuss it. Nobody asked me how did I feel about it, only to discover later my mother has vitiligo on her legs. And I get why she didn't want to talk about it. You know, she didn't know how I felt because I didn't talk about it. You know, so it's one of those things that if you don't open up the discussion, you're not going to have it. My friends never addressed it. Well, I had some people indirectly make comments. Um, I was in a relationship in college and, you know, well, it was after I graduated, but um, and they started noticing the spots and they thought it was because of the stress from the relationship and all this. And I'm like, oh, it's vitiligo because, you know, one of the guys are like, oh, she must be getting on your nerves. You turn to white. And I'm like, oh, come on, guys. This is vitiligo, man. This, this you know, it, so it's all these different myths. But in the 90s, in early, late 90s, leading to the 2000s, still wasn't a lot of information. No. Um, I think we were getting there. It was the beginning of the Internet, World Wide Web and all that stuff. So information wasn't there. Like we have now, like we want to know about vitiligo. There's millions of articles you can pull up. Um, Yeah. A lot of information, but I also feel like it was a scary time. Yeah. You're in your twenties, you know, you're trying to figure out life itself and then boom, here you go. Now you're changing. What do you do with that? You know, how was your support system, family, friends, you know, um, did, did you ever sit down and have discussions about it? How was that for you? Um, so I guess being a guy, first off, there's that, uh, sort of level of maybe masculinity that we don't talk about our feelings. Um, so even to this day, uh, I don't think I've had a real in-depth conversation with anybody in my family, uh, my parents or my brothers, um, about, specifically the journey that I was on kind of mental health wise Um, in terms of uh, just discussing sort of treatments. uh, I think my parents would have been involved for the first maybe couple of years, but then I'm now in my twenties. So I'm doing it all kind of on my own. Um, And I think um, support for me uh, was friends really um i actually so i i actually moved away from vancouver and i moved to england and i lived in england for 11 years so i was there without family right um without the immediate family anyway so my support system was my friends but i think also i have been described as a very well guarded castle (laughs) in that (laughs) i can like uh take on things myself and manage things myself. Um, so I don't think anybody really understood what was really going on or how much difficult it was for me. Because you you walk out the door trying to put on a good face, right? Right, you, right. You hide, essentially, your insecurity, but you are hiding it. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was an interesting journey for me. I don't know if that answers necessarily the question, but I don't think I had a, a, a support system the way that I I would have hoped or that would have helped right. me. Um, right. But I think it was, again, as you said, it was a time when people didn't know a lot about it. Um, before this um, podcast, I was just kind of like Google searching and looking at stuff. And the Michael Jackson interview with Oprah came Yes. Up. Um, and I just like, 
if this was today, I'd be yelling at the screen because <laughs> he's literally trying to tell her what's happening. And it's very much the scandal of the day of the, of that time. Really? Right. Are you sure you didn't bleach your skin? Are you sure? Right. Um, right. Um, so let's put this out there. If Oprah wants to do another interview, <laughs> like, let's, Let, talk let's have it. Absolutely. Let's about what <laughs> is. But yeah, I mean, there wasn't a lot of information. People didn't know a lot about it. Even today, people don't know a lot about it. Um, you know, I mentioned I've gotten into um, a bit of modeling now, and there's a lot of people that are interested in me for the look, right. but they have no idea Absolutely. the journey that it's taken for me to get here. And there's this assumption that, oh, you must have been born with it. And that's not the case. Right. Um, so, you know, there still is not a lot of knowledge to people outside of the vitiligo community, let alone within it. Right, absolutely. Uh, yeah, Omar, I'm glad you said that because I, I talk about that often. A couple of things I want to mention. Um, you know, when, when it comes to friendships and, and even relationships, you know, the people look at us as for who we are. You know, those that are really supposed to be in your life, they're going to look at you, you know, who you are on the inside. Yeah, they're going to see your vitiligo. They may never talk about it. You know, they may ignore it or they might want to talk about it, but not sure how you feel. Yeah. But I've, I personally feel they're going to dig deeper and they're going to see who you are, how you carry yourself. And they're going to say, you know what? This is my friend regardless. You know, that's one of the things I see. And I, and I had a coworker tell me one day, she said, Mark, I don't see your vitiligo. And I said, how can you not see it? It's right here in your face. She said, I don't look at that. I look at who yeah. you are as a person. And it was, it was like, tag, you know, I've got to look at me too. I can't look at my surface and, and just see my vitiligo and go, oh, that's all other people see. You know, I have to look at my makeup. Who am I as a person? And I mm -hmm. think as our community goes out into the public, that's how we have to see ourselves. Who are we as people on this planet? You know, what we look like. Yeah. We know, we know society is all about your surface. We get it. We see it everything. Instagram, you know, you name it. It's out there. And people are, you talk about the modeling, people are fascinated with vitiligo skin. Mm -hmm. They don't know a lot about vitiligo or the journey that it takes to get to where you're comfortable and confident to go before a camera or to speak before somebody. They just see where you're at now. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I feel these companies don't ask questions about vitiligo. They say, mm -hmm. we want you. Sign this contract. We're going to give you some money to model. You know, let's see your skin, you know, next take. But how often do they say, tell me about your journey? Tell me about your story. What was it like growing up? You know, oh, you were born vitiligo? Oh, you developed it later? What was it like for you? You know, to me, that's how you're going to get the true story from that person, their perspective of what it's like to live with vitiligo. And as we yeah. say, every journey is different, you know. Um, like you mentioned, being born with it versus development, develop, I can't talk right now, developing vitiligo <laughs> in your 20s. Those are two different experiences. Yeah. Um, and I say for me, developing vitiligo in my 20s was a little devastating in a sense because people remember you one way and you come back to home. Like when I come back to homecoming, they look at me differently now and I can tell some people are not comfortable. 
Yeah. You know, I go to shake somebody's hand and they give you that little weak handshake. Like they don't want to touch you. Okay. I got it. You know, you're not comfortable. Um, and those are those little things that we have to deal with that these companies don't always know or the general public, they may not know. And mm. even our community, sometimes we're blind to it. Um, we think we all have the same experience. No, they're similar. Yeah. We have vitiligo. We may have seen a dermatologist. You may get some type of treatment, but the steps you have to take are all different. Um, some are devastating, yes, um, to the point that some people have cons- contemplated, you know, taking their lives, you know. Um, and then there are some people that have conquered this this vitiligo journey and said, you know what, I'm going to bring others with me and I'm going to provide support for them because I want all of us to live a better life, you know. Um, then whatever that looks like, because everybody's life is going to be different. Everybody's journey is going to be different. Uh, but I do think as a community, it'll be nice for all of us to talk to each other, to understand everybody's journey. And that means a lot of people, but because we're, let's say somebody who's 80% depigmented, they're going to have a different walk than somebody like me. Well, I'm considered 10%. Mm-hmm. versus somebody who's 50%, you know, or, the, or may have a different type of vitiligo. You know, if you have segmented, you just have it in one spot. But generalized, like like us, you know, it's where we're spotted. I always say spotted like a cheetah because I get that question a lot uh, from kids. They say, do you have spots all over? I say, I'm spotted like a cheetah, and I'll leave it at that. You know, we don't have to get into details where spots are located. I don't want to go into all that, you know. Um, but in terms of support, I I do feel like support is very important, whether you get it from your immediate family, from your friends, a loved one, um, or a community. Uh, and, and that's where I think the the benefits of, I, I think understanding vitiligo comes in when you start to meet other people at vitiligo, hear their journey, talk to them, find out, you know, you have, uh, a kindred spirit here, you know, I know what you're going through, or I may not understand why you're going through this, but I went through that. And we, you know, as long as we talk to each other, we get to know each other. Um, have you interacted with like any other vitiligo communities at all? Or what, what has been your experience? Uh, well, yeah, that, um, as you're talking about that, it's, um, it was a year ago. Um, so there's, um, a girl named Jennifer who has a Instagram group called Spotting Beauty. Yes. Um, which I, I'm not sure if you know of them, but uh, uh, she had um, arranged a vitiligo meetup in LA last year. Um, and I've searched for years for like trying to find some sort of group or some right. sort of like somebody to talk to and trying to find that it has been super difficult. Um so finding that, I was like, you know what? I'm getting on a plane. I'm going to LA. I don't know what I'm getting myself into. I don't know right. what to expect. But it was amazing, and it really changed my journey 100%. It was it was a turning point for me. Um, I got there. There was probably about 10 of us in a room. We had an opportunity for all of us to kind of introduce ourselves and talk a little bit about our journey. And it was so amazing to hear other stories about vitiligo. Yes, the journey might be different, but the experiences right. are very similar. Um, 
and validating. I, I, validating is so important, I think, yes. because you know we talk about the journey being different for everybody, but it's so similar in the need for acceptance. That's right. the ultimate goal, right? Whether it's you accepting yourself or you know accepting your continued journey with vitiligo, whatever it might be, it's just about acceptance, right? And getting there and being validated for those feelings that come up throughout that journey. And I've talked about, like, um, I, I will be honest, I've seen a lot of therapists. Right. And therapists have not been able to validate my feelings. When I say I feel like people are looking at me, no, they're not. They don't care about you. No, they do. <laughs> they do. <laughs> um, and I get where, you know, therapists are trying to change your, your viewpoint, that you shouldn't really care about what other people think. But it was hugely important for my journey to be able to validate that what I'm actually feeling and the reason that I'm feeling this way is actually true. And I got that from that group. And that group is like a vitiligo family to me. We actually had another meetup um, in L.A., uh, probably about two weeks ago. Um, so I was out there to go and see them again. It was amazing to see for me personally where I was a year ago when I first met them to where I am now. Um, and when I met them a year ago, I I was still very much in a depressive, anxiety-filled state. Um, and I remember leaving that group and just being like, okay, you know what? I'm going to go wherever I want to go. And I went out to uh santa monica pier by myself hundreds of people walking around and i was just like you know what i'm gonna do this and to right. me that was the start of my journey to where i am today um but the importance of actually meeting other people that have vitiligo um that you can talk about that journey and have common you know common experiences is so important absolutely um it took me a while to join a uh, support community, especially right here in North Carolina. Um, they they approached me several times and I declined each time. I would take the card. I'm like, I'm not joining a support community. I, I'm good. I'm good. I'm, you know how we do as men sometimes. I'm good, but I'm not. I really needed it, but I didn't know how to approach it. Um, I was scared. I was nervous. And then finally, um, there are some things that were happening throughout 2019 that I kind of felt something was going to change. I felt this shift. Um, and I often talk about the little girl kept calling me a butterfly. And I was like, I'm not a butterfly. And, and, and it was irritating me at first. I'm running a summer camp. And I'll, she, she, that, was, that's what, that, that was my nickname, butterfly, for her. And I'm like, I'm not a butterfly, you know. But then I started looking at it. I said, it's not about what's on the outside. It's what's on the inside that matters. It's okay. I get what she's saying. And... Um, and I was dating someone at the time and I told her, I said, you know, I'm considering going to a vitiligo support community. And she was like, why would you do that? You know, that's like, sounds like a, you know, one of those alcohol anonymous groups. And, and I'm like, no, I need support. I want to meet other people with vitiligo. And she was just so against it. You know, do y'all have doctors? Do you have therapists? Do you have blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I don't know. Cause I didn't know much about the community. You know, I yeah. went in blind. But now I know we have all these different um, support from the medical professionals, you know, whether it's a doctor or a therapist, we have all this in our communities. Um, 
but coming to the community was one of the best things I could have ever done. Um, and I'm not talking about any one particular group. I say community, meeting, meeting other people at Vitiligo. Because at that point, I only knew personally two people. Uh, one was a gentleman I knew since high school, another one I met in college, and now I didn't understand why the gentleman in college was the way he was, because uh, he was very insecure, and I didn't get it. I'm like, dude, you're like 400-something pounds and 6'5 football player, but you're the most insecure person I ever met, and I didn't get it. Oh. Now I understand it. His journey, his struggle, and I wish I could reach out to him and find this guy, but I, I don't know where he is. Um but then there was somebody else I knew, the same gentleman from high school that ended up at the same university I was at. So I, it was good for me to see his journey, but I didn't I didn't have vitiligo at the time. But I would see him and I'm going, man, his skin is changing, but he's cool. You know, I didn't think about the skin. I didn't think about what vitiligo was because I didn't know what it was. Not until after I started developing it. Um, so we are kind of in the same North Carolina community here. And and now I'm one of the leaders for the state of North Carolina, but I also do work with Vit uh, Friends, and uh, we have a uh, there's a social that myself and Sharon King does uh, that we we conduct. Uh, it, it's it's for anybody with vitiligo just to come in, socialize, talk. We have some topics, and then I do some work with uh, GVF. I'm like, this is how I'm getting to know people because before. I knew only a handful from North Carolina, but now I'm getting a chance to know people from all around the world. Mm. And I'm like, wow, oh, I just talked to this person from another country. You know, there's Mon in the Czech Republic. I had a conversation with her one day. I just reached out to her and said, hey, you want to come on the podcast? I didn't know she wanted to. I did it. And I was like, I never talked to somebody from another country. You know, mm. great conversation. She's been on the podcast a couple of times. We still talk from time to time. The time difference is rough. It's like six hours. Um, but then, you know, I spoke to, I can't remember her name. It, it pops in my head and it goes away, but she's also from uh, Canada and is um, Roy from Canada. And now speaking to you from Canada, had a lady from Brazil that I spoke with. I had to get a translator, but I want to get to know other people and their journeys. And it gives me a better sense of community because um, now I feel like I know more people. I uh, went to my first conference in Minnesota last year. That's where I met Roy. Um, it, it was it was awesome because I started doing the podcast during the pandemic. So I never had a chance to meet any of the people. We only talked, you know, on the screen. But to see them in person, it was like, hey, family, you know, and that's how yeah. it felt. And I was just like, wow, you know, all these people in the same place with Vitiligo. And it was probably maybe almost 200 of us and the doctors and everybody, and nobody treated anybody differently. The doctors were like, you know, one of the doctors, he was like, hey, y'all wanna go get something to eat tonight? Sure, you gonna hang out with us? Like, you're a doctor, you know? He was like, sure, let's go, don't call me doctor, call me by my first name. But we all hung out, and it was like, wow, this is cool. Mm -hmm. um, when we had a dance later that night, the doctors party harder than we did. <laughs> you know, so it was just, it was a great, feeling great time i'm glad that you're connecting with the folks in la um because we all need that support we need to meet other people um sometimes we do get stuck in our communities local and we forget that there's a bigger universe of people with vitiligo out there and and this is great um on that note there was something else i wanted to talk about 
we're not going to get into a whole lot of detail. Yeah. Um, now, for people that are listening, some people may know you. A lot of people in our community have seen you. Other people in this in the world have seen you. Can you just give me just a little tidbit of where they may have seen you? And then I, I have another question that's off topic, off away from that. Uh, well, they would have seen me in the Opsalure commercial. Right. So, yes, this is the gentleman in the, in the commercial. We're not going to get into the details of the commercial or any of that. However, my question for you is, because um, I've been in like a restaurant, one, you know, not too long ago. I'm sitting there watching sports, you know, whatever game is on and the commercial comes on and the people sitting around me, they are looking at it, too. And then they all kind of look at me like. Oh, you have the same thing. And I'm like, yes, I have vitiligo. Yes, that is a commercial for vitiligo. How does it feel now that you're being more recognized? Like, do you, do you go places and people look kind of look at you like, hmm, I think I might know this man? It's it's an interesting question. Um, and really, so yes, I am getting recognized now. Uh, I got recognized at the post office the other day. Uh, I got recognized at the airport when I was in LA a couple of weeks ago. Um, all of my neighbors in my building have at one point or another over the last couple of weeks or couple of months um, said, hey, you're, you're that guy. Um, I think- <laughs> I'm that guy. Yeah, I'm that guy. Um, what it does for me personally though, I think when I think about like, um, the anxieties that I had before and like the things, the places that I stopped myself from going, some of those anxieties were around, well, they were around being seen and right. being seen for the first time and having people look um, and stare and, or that fear of people looking and staring. And I think personally for me, being visible and people already seeing me, right, give me a little bit more of a pep in my step because I don't have to kind of, look around and if you're looking well you've already seen me kind of thing so i think just personally it, it it has helped me but i think also as you mentioned for the community it's huge that there's something like this being shown globally right. Right. that people are like hey what is this right. asking questions or recognizing other people that do have it um and i i wonder whether in the same way that i feel like I have been seen already, so it makes it a little bit easier for me. I wonder whether other people in the community feel the exact same way. I'm gonna say yes, just from my experience, sitting there eating and when it came on, I felt, uh-oh, they're gonna stare at me. But they do it anyway, I come in here all the time. So they know who I am. They recognize I have the skin condition. I've talked to a few people, a few of the waitresses there and the waiter, they know I have you know, vitiligo. But when the commercial came on, I could see some people kind of just look over and I just kind of look over and, yeah, that's it, you know. Um, but I think as time goes on um, and more companies are starting to reach out to the vitiligo community, we will become more recognized. Um, yeah. It will become more normalized. And, and that's what I want. I, I just want people to see us as people. Um, we do what everybody else likes to do. You know, if somebody is a singer, they sing. If somebody likes to dance, they dance. Vitiligo doesn't stop any of it. If somebody likes to draw, likes to, you know, paint, whatever, 
that's you. You know, it doesn't, vitiligo doesn't change any of that. We mm-hmm. change it. We mm-hmm. stop doing things because a lot of times we say, man, I have vitiligo. And I can't do that anymore. Right, right. You have vitiligo, but it doesn't have you. That's no. the thing. You know, yeah. you are still you. You can still function. You can still do these things. Sometimes you have to take the hard road and push through it. Mm-hmm. And here's my spiel before I turn it over to you. If you're going to push through, you don't have to do it by yourself. And I'm going to say this for our men, because a lot of times we think we got to do everything by ourselves because I'm a man. I don't need no help. I'm good. I'm good. I'm straight. Nah, no, we need that help, too, because as you mentioned earlier about the mental health. That's important. We've got to make sure that we are in a good place mentally. And vitiligo is one of those conditions and some people classify as a disease mental health is the biggest challenge that we most of us face because it is devastating in that way physically is not going to kill us no it's not going to harm us physically you might get a little itch you know before a spot pops up but it's the mental it's the emotional it's the depression and all those the anxiety all those other things we deal with that creates some of our other ailments that we deal with Mm-hmm. And it's important for us to get the proper support that we need. And I say support because it could be going to a therapist mm-hmm. or it could be going to, uh, I don't know, go to a, a physical fitness person and, you know, do something different. Change yeah. your lifestyle, change the way you eat, change who you talk to, get out and travel. And, and I'm going to admit traveling was hard for me because um, I traveled before I, I was married. So I would travel with the family. So I had that, those other people there with me mm-hmm. that I didn't have to focus on my vitiligo. Maybe I'm carrying my daughter or walking with my son. So I had somebody, but lately the past couple of years, I've been traveling by myself. So that means going to the airport, going through security. And I always, not always, but sometimes they'll flag my, my vitiligo spots on my wrist. Mm-hmm. We need to see your wrist. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. Here you go. Oh, my bad. I'm sorry. No, it's good. I mean, it's just a spot. I, I have no nothing inside those white spots, you know. Um, <laughs> but but I do find I get a little anxiety going through that security. Mm-hmm. And then even being in the airport, I'm getting a little anxiety. But I, then I say, you know what? I'm here doing the same thing everybody else is doing. They're waiting for their flight. They want to get in their seats. They want to fly to their destination, enjoy themselves or whatever they're doing. You know, mm-hmm. I have to put myself in that mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, real quick, how's your experience with flying? You know, do you have any of those challenges? And then we're going to wrap things up. Um, I used to travel quite a lot um, and had no problem with it. I think as I... Um, Kind of mentioned before my my journey with vitiligo was kind of slow and kind of every year it it changed and i remember kind of saying to myself back then like i want to travel and right. do everything now because i don't know how i'm going to feel when it gets worse so i wanted right. to do everything but then obviously pandemic and we got locked up and my own anxiety <laughs> developed but now i feel like um you know i want to travel i want to do more um right. I agree with you being on your own sometimes can be very it can cause anxiety you're very vulnerable uh you know there's no you don't have your bodyguards with you right right <laughs> absolutely um 
And yeah, that that can be really challenging. But for me personally, I'm I'm pushing those boundaries and I'm not going to allow that to, to stop me. That's good. I am doing the same thing, brother. I'm telling you, I I would get on a plane in a heartbeat. And my yeah. my real brother, my he was like, "Man, you always traveling somewhere." I said, "Look, I I gotta live. There are things I want to do. If I if I want to do them, I gotta get on a plane and fly because I'm not gonna drive. That means I gotta push myself to do things I normally wouldn't do." Yeah. But Omar, this has been a great conversation. Um, I greatly appreciate you coming on being open and discussing these things. I know sometimes talking about our riddle like journey is not easy. You know, uh, it comes with that anxiety of, oh my gosh, other people are going to hear this conversation. Great. Cause I feel like somebody's going to listen and there's going to be something in our conversation that's going to resonate with somebody and it's going to help them along with their journey, you know, and they're going to say, you know what, let me live my life. That's why I named my podcast Living Life and Love because we got to love ourselves too. Um, one thing I always do at the end, I ask my guests to leave the listeners with some words of encouragement, something positive. So I'm going to give you an opportunity to say whatever comes to your heart, just share with the listeners and then I'll wrap us up. Cool. I've got, I've got a couple of things. Okay. First one um, that I kind of really learned was um, this uncomfortableness that I feel when I meet new people because they're, they're going to stare. Um, and just like we would if somebody walked in that looks different, we're going to take an extra second to stare because we've never seen that before. Right. Um, that used to bother me so much. And I'm like, why do people got to look at me? Why do they got to like, why do they got to stare at me? That was a bit of a journey to accept that that is going to happen. So you know, my words for that are learn to let people look. They're going to take an extra second. But on the same token, there's going to be a lot of uncomfortableness from other people because they don't know how to talk to you. They don't know how comfortable you are. They could potentially see your insecurities and the way that you carry yourself. Um, so we think um, it's also important for us to find a way to break the ice. Um, I also didn't like that. I also thought, why is it my responsibility to educate people or to make them comfortable about talking to me? But the amount of energy that I wasted telling myself and worrying about what other, when I could just be like, hey, how's it going? You know, Absolutely. I mean, hey, how's it going? Break the ice and, and let them know that I'm not, you know, I'm not contagious. I'm not whatever. I'm not an angry person. I'm just a guy. Right. Uh, so feel free to look. That's something that I've learned. Um, and obviously that's going to be a journey for other people. Um, but then the other thing is just, there's only 1% of the world that have vitiligo. We are a very exclusive club. Right. So let's, let's just keep that in mind. We're part of a very exclusive, very special club. Absolutely. Omar, thank you for those words. Cause you know, somebody needed to hear that. I always say that if we reach one person, that's somebody who needed to hear those words. Although I know we're going to reach more than one person. Um, this podcast, and this is for the listeners also, um, this podcast reaches over 40 different countries around the world. So, you know, people are listening in. Um, I don't know who they are, 
but I'm going to say thank you in advance for listening to the podcast. And um, I, from time to time, I will look at the different countries. I'm like, man, I would love to interview somebody from that country one day. So I will. Hopefully I'll get that opportunity. But I do say thank you for coming on, taking the time to, you know, out of your busy schedule or relaxing schedule, whatever <laughs> schedule, whatever you have in your schedule. Because <laughs> I know after this, I'm going to go lay down and relax. I've had a long day at work. Um but it's always a pleasure to talk to somebody from the community or even people outside the community. It, it gives me life. And um, and I say it, it gives other people life too to hear our journeys, to hear our stories. Now, this is how I always close out for my listeners. You know, I always talk about love because love is so important. Um, that is one of the things I feel like this world is missing. You know, you turn on the news, we hear the challenges, we see the challenges, we see what's happening. So, you know, I always say, you know, love your family members, of course, got to love your friends, love your neighbors. You know, we get we get back to loving each other in a neighborly way. Um, love your enemies. I know it's hard. We got people that don't like us for whatever reasons, but still love them. You know, sometimes you might have to do it from a distance, but still love them, you know. Mm-hmm. And but most of all, you know, look in the mirror and tell yourself, I love you because we don't do enough of that. You know, even with our spots, you know, we see our spots, but we forget to say, you know what? I love the person I'm looking at right now. So look at yourself, tell yourself, I love you. And then just remember for our listeners, all of you out there, vitiligo is not contagious. Love is. You have been listening to Living Life and Love. I'm your host, Mark Braxton from Raleigh, North Carolina with my guest, Omar. Sir, thank you for coming on. Thank you very much for having me. You're welcome. Take care. And to everybody out there, God bless. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for tuning into Living Life in Love with your host, Mark Braxton from Raleigh, North Carolina. BitFriends podcast can be listened to on Blog Talk Radio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and on Facebook. Once again, BitFriends podcasts are sponsored by My Vitiligo Team.